dear ones. You're listening to the What God Is Not podcast with Father Michael O'Loughlin and Mother Natalia. Hello, listeners. This is Father Michael. This episode is Mother Natalia's, and we have two special guests, Mother Gabriella from Christ the Bridegroom, as well as Natalie Bechet. And we uh, spent some good time with Natalie. Mother was just coming off of a retreat given to Coptic women, and we were fascinated. She was fascinated by some of the the Coptic ways, especially when it comes to uh, being a servant and also how the priesthood is discerned. It's not really discerned by the person. Anyway, a very exciting episode. Uh, There really is no banter because we introduced Natalie, and I think you should all listen to that. so banter haters, um, you win today. But I also wanted to say that uh, a fun part of this is that we caught Natalie off guard at the very beginning um, by loving on her, I think probably a bit more than she expected. And it was beautiful to behold and beautiful to do. Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory forever. <laughs> Everyone is supposed to respond oh. to that. <laughs> Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory, Glory forever. forever. <laughs> But now Father Michael didn't. We have our I know. Very first, okay. I did it the Third first time. Third time's the charm. Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory, Glory forever. forever. Father Michael. I was Two trying to think half. of something clever I and know. just nothing came. So glory to Jesus Christ. Glory <laughs> We're just too tired, I think. Um, I do, do you want to banter before I introduce our guests? No, or? go ahead, please. Okay. So we have on the podcast with us today. This is It's so weird to not be on a screen. I know. Like, does that feel weird to you? Don't we usually... Oh, yeah. In person. <laughs> Can you hear it? Could you hear it? I think so. Okay, Probably. good. Okay. Um, we just high five. We're recording in person. So Mother Gabriella is one of our guests today. Say hey. Hey. Mother Gabriella and I are in LA because we LA. were asked to go. <laughs> what are you doing? We could get sued for that. What did she oh. say? Never mind. Don't she, say it again. She I don't sang want to be part sued. of a song. <laughs> oh. oh. <laughs> Sorry. D- nothing. Sharon. You heard nothing. <laughs> um, nothing happened. Please don't sue us. So uh, <laughs> we'll edit we that out. Of poverty. <laughs> <laughs> um, Mother Gabriella and I are here because I was invited to lead a retreat mm-hmm. for um, some middle school and high school Coptic Orthodox girls mm-hmm. out in for the Diocese of LA and the uh, Coptic Orthodox Diocese of LA. And which some of you know, if you're regular listeners, because a couple episodes ago, we, uh, I had that as my prayer intention for people to pray for the retreat. So um, I don't want to say your prayers worked because prayers always work, but uh, the retreat was really beautiful. So coming down the mountain with us, Big Bear Mountain, Big Bear Lake, what, is it called Big Bear it's Mountain? It's not Big Bear Mountain. I just Big Bear is the city. Yeah. Okay. I don't know what the mountain's but called. But we were on a mountain. We were on a mountain, yes. Okay. So um, is Natalie Bichet. I almost said Bichoy because of the <laughs> saint. Natalie Bichet, who was the one who, well, technically Abuna Timothy Paul invited me out, but then it was very quickly passed off to you. So Natalie is our other guest. Welcome. Ladies, this is our first ever time using all four microphones. Yeah. I actually pulled that microphone out of the wrapper and the cord out of the wrapper. <laughs> yeah, wow. look how shiny it is. I know. Nice. It's crazy. So you get this shiny brand new microphone, shiny. Natalie. Because it's you. shiny. We're going to get sued so much. <laughs> no, that's such a short clip. <laughs> that's true. Don't you have to, doesn't like it have 30 to be seconds. so long in order just, to be? I, I have. I know. I, there's really no way they could sue you. Yeah, I get oh, okay. it. I totally get it. We got sued by BMG Music. 
for Catholic stuff you should know. But that's because uh, you literally used a recording, right? Yes, it did. wasn't like you guys singing. That was an the, original recording of that song know. with my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I think we need a lawyer up, actually, just just in case. Mm. Um, if, we any, do have a, we do have a listener who's a lawyer who has um, offered to like help us whenever uh, we. <laughs> Well, Mother Gabrielle is about to be sued twice by two different recording companies. So. Uh, sounds like my life. Um. <laughs> All right, I think Father Michael, you said that I, even though it's my topic, you have a banter I do. topic. And this yeah. is such a this is a, such a Mother Natalia banter topic. Oh, oh um, no! But I, I, I apologize if you're caught off guard by this mother. But I, I was. Um, what is your What is your favorite thing about Natalie? Like a story or something. Oh my goodness! We're, we're going to be featuring you so much. I have. I have Are something. Are you serious right now? I have something. <laughs> Recording. What if I cry? That's Great. Okay. <laughs> okay. I so I have won't. something. But if after. you have something, go first. Or if not, I can go first. Okay. I well. Can we change the question to like one of my favorite things? Because yes. I get really stressed out when people ask questions right with absolutes. Okay. okay. <laughs> uh, so because then it's like the pressure to pick the exact yeah, right thing. Okay. Right. right. Yeah. One of my favorite things is I was very. Why is that a Mother Natalia question? You would it's totally just ask sappy. that. Oh, what do you say? <laughs> wow, uh, gush 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 gush. Yeah, <laughs> um, that's just Andrew Whaley and I. Andrew oh, Whaley and I. When no, I mean like that's it. Whenever we're like super gushy with each other, then we say gush gush or gushy or all the gush or anyways. <laughs> it makes Father Michael throw up in his mouth a little bit. Exactly. So. Um, do you know, do you remember that I used to not be sappy at all? Like I was so afraid of feelings and then you and father Travis are really the ones who helped me like talk about things. So it's all your fault. What does somebody tell me? What someone told me, I went to Thomas Aquinas. I was a very awkward 18 year old kid. I failed out. And then when I got sent back here two and a half years ago at 40, what, 42, 43 years old, um, one of my classmates who was there, who I recognized him because he looks exactly the same. And he says to me, I don't recognize you at all. And I was like, I looked for, I had the hair on the top of the head instead of the bottom of the face, you know, <laughs> like I just, I looked very different. And he goes, were, were you as self-possessed? I was like, not at all, mm. not at all. I, I am much more self-possessed now than I was when I was 18 years old. So I like literally it was just, he knew it wasn't even how I looked. It was yeah. more like how I presented myself. So mm. you're um, more self-possessed now and great. more gushy. So that's fine. Now I'm going to be self-conscious about it. So <laughs> one of my favorite things about Natalie is we had um, a conversation before before I came out to LA, like when we had our first conversation about, um, actually I think it was in an email, but then also when we had the Zoom call with uh, with the other girls, with Carol and Anna, Anna Simone, shout out to them. Shout out. Big um, shout out. They're amazing. Uh, and I almost just started a whole list of shout outs, but like then I'm going to forget someone and then it'll be bad. And But shout out to all the servants from the trip and we'll talk about that later. Anyways, uh, when we had like that first email and in that Zoom call, it was very obvious to me like Natalie was excited to have us out because, because she thought it was a really important step to opening up some of the girls um, to learn about Eastern Catholicism as well. And, and it was very clear that for Natalie and I both, this was like a really important step in um, towards reunification between, between Catholicism and Orthodoxy. Because I think that that's really... Like that's going to happen through grassroots things like this, you know. It's gonna it's gonna happen through relationship, not just through, um, through like the um, upper part of the umbrella. Anyways, that was so important to her, and she was so zealous about it, and just like really excited um, 
to to share this this other part of Eastern Christianity with the girls. And um, I thought that was, zeal was very beautiful. Thank Amen. you. Amen. So um, she's also got a really great podcast voice. I was just thinking about that. <laughs> so I lost it. It's like deep and raspy because I was yelling at. Maybe that's why it's a. Maybe that's why it's a good podcast voice. It's gonna be great. If you ever start your own podcast, you should yell for like an hour before you start recording. <laughs> oh, there she is. Um, or just take up smoking. I don't recommend. Oh, that. okay. That's yeah, a no. terrible. Idea. Thank you. Spiritual <laughs> guide in church. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just inhale all the incense when you're praying. All right, Father Michael. What's one of your favorite stories about um, Natalie? So. I have a lot of of spiritual daughters and like I have a lot of women in my life and I love that but one thing I do and it, like I said this to a friend so I'll, I guess I can name this because it's, it's positive but I went to the Holy Land with the Stefanics and um, Natalie Stefanik Chris's wife they had their two youngest sure daughters Natalie? here it is, it is definitely Natalie <laughs> I've had a horrible track record the past three days with getting names wrong um, but we went there and her two daughters were hilarious. I mean, mm. hilarious. And and they would they would say just what's at the top of their head at all times. And the way that they, like, I had met them maybe once before, but you're on a pilgrimage to the Holy Land, one of those beautiful places in the world for nine days. Like, you, you grow close, right? So it was just so beautiful. And even when they made mistakes and they were corrected by their parents or by someone else, like, they recovered so quickly. And I, I said to Natalie, your your daughters, who were, what, 10 and 13, I said, they they're... They're two of the most confident little girls I've ever met in my mm-hmm. life. And I said, like, that's something that's, that I, I pray for my spiritual daughters all the time because confidence for me is something that, that I wish more people had, but I also wish more women had. And I think that's something greatly lacking. Um, and I don't know how to say this different, Natalie, but you are, you're, you're very, like, you know your worth. And then that, that comes out as confidence. I'm going to cry, but I, like it, it comes out as confidence. So the and I, I actually don't know a better way of saying that. But like you, you, you present yourself, and I've only we've only known you for a couple of days now. But like <laughs> it's true. But like, Best friends for three days. <laughs> but but you present yourself with with a um, with the confidence that that like nobody can argue with, mm-hmm. you know. And and it's and it's also like. You also, in a very beautiful way, in a gentle way, you like demand that respect, but you also expect it. And it, it, again, in a very gentle, beautiful way, but it's like no, even some other people in your group or other people that we meet immediately, there's, there's always this, like, this hesitation and a, do I trust you? Do you trust me? All these things. But, but like, we didn't seem to have that period. And I, I know you, even on Sunday, when I, we all, mother and I both met you together, both mothers and I met you together. Mm-hmm. But even from the very beginning, you had a certain self-possession, like I mentioned earlier, and, and a certain confidence, as I mentioned earlier, and a certain a knowledge of your own worth that, that seems to be the case. I don't know you well enough, though, that that actually mm-hmm. is the case. But I, I commend you for your confidence. You, 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 you lead with that, and that's a really beautiful thing, and something I really do desire to see, especially in women nowadays, because it, it, it doesn't seem to be there that often. So maybe I'll find out <laughs> later um, on. You certainly, from the very beginning, present yourself as confident, knowledgeable of your worth, and, and within relationships, within a very short period of time, establish, have a certain healthy, healthy depth. That's what I perceive. So, Thank you. I appreciate that. I mean, it's because of also my spiritual fathers that I'm like that. Yeah. My father and my spiritual fathers that have I mean, my father is huge in why I'm confident and he's always been encouraging us in every way and, and, and both of my parents, but especially my father. And I think his, 
I think a lot of us see our fathers as types of Christ and types of God. And when your father does that accurately and correctly, you start to know who God is better. And so I think I matured quicker because I had that, mm. that, that view of God in my life, in, like through my father, who has always been a really big model of Christ to me, to where like I knew my worth from, from an early from an early age, um, and I'm just loud, so you think I'm confident. That's, that's easy. I, I would definitely not have called you loud at all. Um, they, they'll, they'll tell you different. <laughs> Spent three days with me, and my voice is like this. So. But I, I yeah. can tell you, though, that I, as a priest, when people start coming to me because they're, they're having a rough time, um, a lot of just the existential struggles that most of us have come back to our any psychologist will tell you it's childhood and yeah. it's, it's parents and, and, and that. So I, I could have almost guessed you had a very good, healthy yeah. childhood. Thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. I'm, I'm very blessed with my parents. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah. Okay. We, had that, we had that discussion on the way down the mountain too, just like about how, how blessed you've been with your family and your dad in particular and how he's been like a really good father to you, but also just a really good father to to all of the girls in in your parish and all of the girls and that even ex- encountered like in further that, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. outside in the diocese yeah. yeah it was um that was actually something i was really touched by um on this retreat is uh the tenderness the tenderness that i saw in in the abunas all three abunas who were there um all three of the the coptic orthodox priests who were there like they had such a great tenderness with the girls um, and, and that was so beautiful to see. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and your dad was one of them. Your dad was yes. one of the, <laughs> the priests there. Yeah. He's, he's the crazy. reason I'm even involved in that in the first place. <laughs> yeah. Um, Mother Gabriella, do you have, uh, something that you want to share about Natalie before we... And this gush fest. Um, <laughs> seriously. <laughs> hashtag gush. Hashtag gush, Andrew Wheely. Um, yeah, I was, tr- well, yeah, trying to think of, there were so many things that were kind of going through my mind. Um, but I, a couple of like images kind of came to mind. One was like when we were on this retreat, just like several times, just Natalie would come up and just like give me a hug and then go back to what she was doing. There was just this like her, <clears throat> and I attest to, I think it's her relationship with Christ that she has this availability and closeness. Um, and I, I think that's what I, what I have felt like just a great immediate access like heart like heart level right like we don't, we've known each other for like 3 days <laughs> um, and maybe i fall in love quickly i don't know but like there there's just been like a, a an ease um which crosses all bounds right like there's nothing like <laughs> yeah. there's there's no like our commonality is jesus yeah. and so like the fact like just experiencing that um your great love for him um poured out for all these girls but also poured out for mother natalia and i and mm-hmm. just um, with with no thought other than to just give yourself over to us and to receive us and just it was just a very beautiful experience of communion that is rooted totally in Christ um, that saw no that saw no distinction other than Him like mm-hmm. seeking the other in Him and so that yeah that's what I would say and and just seeing that in vignettes throughout the weekend um, either like I said in her Monday through Wednesday. <laughs> Right. We've been calling it weekend. (laughs) The weekend of Monday through Wednesday um, with each of the girls, with with the other servants, with and and with us, um, just in in her gift of self. It's just been really beautiful. Yeah. I that that relationship that you're talking about, it's um 
It's true. You know, we've been joking about this thing that happened with one of the girls on the on the trip, but it actually, I think, really speaks into this. Uh, so one of the girls, one of the girls asked Natalie at some point, like um, something like, "How long have you been friends with Mother Natalia?" And Natalie's like, <laughs> um, "Since Sunday." <laughs> and, it's Thursday. And, and, and five, we're recording five days after Sunday. <laughs> and, and, the, and the girl was just like, "Oh, you you act like she's known you since you were little." And but it's it's like that that relationship was immediate, and and it was really helpful, um, and very much founded on the Lord, like you're saying, Mother Gabriella, because um, the like in in moments of the talk when I was really, um, when I was giving the talks and I was feeling very nervous, like there were points at which there there was just a lot of attack um, Mm. from the devil in preparing for the talks and giving the talks. And in the moments when I was feeling um, the most nervousness or the the most fearful um, in sharing what I know the Lord has asked me to share, like I was always able to look at, to look to Mother Gabriella and see her very intensely praying for me, um, to look to you, Natalie, um, and to look to Jess. And the three of you were really like my, um, like you were keeping me rooted in the talks. And, um, mm. and, and I think part of that is because like perfect love casts out all fear, right? And so in that moment of fear, um, to see these three relationships that were so foundational for me in the retreat itself, I think was able to, to really help like move past that fear, so. Yeah, um, I can speak to that a little. I think once I met you guys, um, I definitely... I mean, we were all, I think something that what what you had mentioned about the devil attacking, we were also experiencing, like Mm -hmm. me, Anna, and Carol, like in work, in relationships, and like whatever, like we were dealing with a lot. And I think because we came, like, because Satan knew we were going to come together in like a, in a way that was going to be meaningful, he was very intentional. And I think I also look to you guys for the same support. Like mm. I would look at you and be comforted, right? Mm. It was the same, mm. the same sort of thing. And I think it, now that you mention it, it's probably because we were all going through something very mm-hmm. similar mm-hmm. leading up to the retreat, during the retreat. Um, and, and, you know, Christ, Christ came through and we know that from just the reaction and the peace we all feel like mm-hmm. coming down and, and how much Christ was present in, in opening up the girls' hearts um, mm-hmm. that Satan was doing his best and he was once again thwarted. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's why it, it meant so much to all of us and like to me in particular to mm. feel the closeness immediately and know it's like, oh, because we're all chasing the same thing and we're all here for the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I have a few things that I want to talk about if you guys are cool with Do it. doing that. Okay, yeah. so one is, well, there have been a few topics of conversation that you and Mother Gabriel and I in particular have been having throughout the past week. But uh, before that, I wondered if you could share, because we haven't really talked about this yet, maybe um, like a quick little recap of what you felt the retreat was, um, maybe something, and then maybe something that, uh, that surprised you about it, like something you weren't expecting from the retreat. Uh, and yeah, I think that's, that's pretty much it. Yeah. So I've been pretty involved in my diocese, in my church, most of my life, um, all of my life, um, 
my, because of my father, my father is a priest, as we mentioned, uh, Abuna Gregory Bechet, shout out. Can I do that? Shout yeah. Out. <laughs> uh, shout out whoever you want. Um, Father Timothy Paul, shout Father out. Father Timothy Paul, shout out. Uh, I could do this all day. Uh, <laughs> um, Nikki, Sharon. <laughs> so, yeah, so I think, like, I was always very attached to this sort of service because my dad has been. Um, and so he's the one that's like, hey, like, Tuta, or that's my nickname. Can you, like, help this year again? I'm that's Arabic like, for Little Berry, is that yes. right? Okay. Uh, <laughs> or so I've heard, or so I remember, if I remember correctly. Um, so this retreat is the fruit of him and his service. So it's mm. not because of me or because of, like, it's the fruit of his desire to serve the the little ones especially, like, the ones that have, like, parents that come from Egypt and are struggling in America and all of those sorts of things because um, of, like, cultural barriers or whatever. It's his lifelong dream and mission to serve those people, and the, this retreat is the fruit of that. So, and that's something I'm also very convicted of and why I would sign up to do so much work. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the retreat for me is about exposing, because we don't do it just like our parish, right? Like our parish is in Orange, but we have multiple parishes in the Los Angeles Diocese um, that we all, we invite all of them. We don't have space for all of them, but like we had about 10 parishes come and they're from all over. Like if you pull up, I'm out of California. There's like Victorville, which is really far from Orange, which is really far from like San Diego and San John, uh, San John Chrysostom, San Juan Capistrano. Uh <laughs> Like, these are all really far places, so they're not really going to meet in high school um, mm. unless we do things like this. And then they end up meeting in college. But it's good to start that early. It's good to expose them to different types of people and, and to get them out of their comfort zone. So that's kind of what I went into it with. Um, but then once, once Mother Natalia was on board and Mother Gabriella, I realized how big this could be because we never, as cops, have had, like, a woman that has been so you know, sure of herself and completely in love with the Lord. At least I haven't heard um, like speak to a group of girls like at a retreat like this before. I've never been on one at least, so, mm. and I've never heard of one. It's always priests and I love priests. And I love men and I, I, like, I love them and I think they're beautiful, but it's different when we know these women, because we're women, are struggling with things and I had listened to Mother Natalia. I knew she was going to be real. I knew she wasn't going to try to hide anything. Um, at least that would have been beneficial. I knew she would share it to the extent that she was able for the sake of the girls because of self-gift. Mm -hmm. And once I put that together, in addition to the fact that I'm Orthodox and Y'all are proud, or no, y'all are, <laughs> yikes, y'all are <laughs> Catholic, and this was going to be something um, that is new, and like we're setting a precedent to do, that's well and good and whatever, but like who cares, right? Mm -hmm. it, the fact of the matter is we were going to be able to touch young women in a way that I knew most of them had not been talked mm -hmm. to before, mm -hmm. and I expected that, but I did not expect the extent um, because you can't, because Christ is so generous, as you guys always say. Like, God is, what do you say? God Not is. outdone in generosity. Yeah, so like we were giving, but mm -hmm. he gave so much more, right? Mm -hmm. And it was just apparent in the girls coming up to us and like crying at the end of the retreat or during the retreat as, as Mother, can, Mother Natalia can speak to. Um, 
and like just realizing like oh my gosh like thank you God for allowing this to happen like thank you God for enabling us to like barely scratch the surface of like how precious these girls are you know Mm -hmm. and allowing them to see that and start to see it and hopefully continue a trend and to the point where one of my girls calls me today even like Mm. just got off the phone with her and is just like talking to me about things like opening up her heart and I've known this girl for a while right but it's like because of this kind of trend of vulnerability that mother started that's not something I expected that would that would um that would happen. I knew it was going to be beautiful. I knew they were going to benefit, but of course, I didn't know specifically. And this was more than I, than I think we all could have hoped for. Mm. Thank you. Um, do you have anything you want to add about the the retreat, Mother Gabriel? Oh, the look of panic on your face. No. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? No, I distracted her. Sorry. Um, um, like any, I don't know, graces or anything you want to share about the retreat before we move on. Hmm. Yeah, it was it was a beautiful experience uh, for me. We typically so we go out in pairs, right? That which is the whole reason why I'm here. Um, so my my apostolate, if you will, during this week um, week not weekend um, <laughs> was was to pray for Mother Natalia and to pray for the girls to pray just just to be a presence of prayer um, and. The image I had really towards the beginning of the retreat while Mother Natalia was first giving her talk, um, I just kind of sat myself in the front corner, um, pulled out my chatki and my hand cross and just prayed. Um, I just was with the Lord. And the image I had from him was just myself as the platitera and just holding the retreat in my womb and and just carrying both Mother Natalia and, and all the girls and all the servants um, and that that was my place was to just just to hold them. Um, Can you explain what the platitera is? Yes, the platitera is the icon of the mother of God. That's typically in like the um, the apse. Is that what you call mm-hmm. it? like the the dome over the altar? Um, and so it's <clears throat> Mary's arms are usually kind of like stretched out, and then Christ is mystically shown in her womb. Um, and so it's like kind of like pregnant Mary, if you will, um, holding holding Christ within her um, over the altar. And um, so that was that was the image I had was myself being being Mary, holding them all there um, in prayer, and just supporting and, and knowing like as 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 sensitive talk, topics came up, like sensing that attack and just trying to as much as I could just like invite the Lord to to give me the burden of that attack, um, so that Mother Natalia could be can continue in her vulnerability and. Um, really open herself up to the girls so that they could continue receiving um, and just and for them as well because so at any point like there could be an attack there um, on either side and so um, that was just such a gift um, it was like a very tangible um, experience in the world of what we do all the time in the monastery. Like Mm. this is what I do all the time, but I don't always get to see the fruit of that. I don't Mm. always get to actually see what I'm praying for. Um, But I know that that, that's exactly what I'm doing in my monastic life is is taking the world into my womb and holding it. Um, And that's fruitful a hundredfold, whether I see it or not. Um, And I was just gifted this this week to be able to see the fruit of that. and to see, which is like, it's funny because even girls were coming up to me and wanted pictures with me and, and hugs for me and all that. And I'm like, I mean, I, I haven't said a thing to like any of, you know, <laughs> most of them, um, but they're, 
there was this, like the Lord was so generous to me in that um, and just receiving this love um, back from them, which was just, again, a confirmation that, yeah, of, of what he was doing and how he was working on that retreat to just simply to be there was enough of a presence like that they, they were able to receive some kind of love for me, even without me speaking to them, which mm-hmm. I thought was a testimony to, to how the Lord works through our motherhood um, and through those prayers. Mm-hmm. So that was, I don't know, that was a little bit about mine. Awesome, thanks. Uh, okay, I'm gonna jump into a few things that I just wanted, um, we haven't really talked much at all about um, about Coptic Orthodoxy on the podcast uh, or Coptic Catholicism, just like we haven't talked about the Coptic Church mm-hmm. at all. So I'd like to share with the listeners some of the some of the beauty of your traditions and your theology and things like that that we've talked about the past few days. So in particular, one of the things that I found most beautiful that I started out talking to your dad about Abuna Gregory, um, second shout out. But uh, I just, oh man, I just love him so much. Anyways, yeah, he's great. Uh, he's so great. We and, love you, Abuna. <laughs> I love you, Abuna. Um, but we, I was talking to him about the, for lack of a better word, the process of becoming a priest in the Coptic Orthodox Church. So mm-hmm. if you could share a little bit about what that looks like, because it's very, very different from what our listeners know about. Um, about priest, about becoming a priest. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I didn't know until Mother Natalia told us, told me that like this was a very unique way of choosing choosing priests the way we do it in the Coptic Orthodox Church. I'm not sure about the Coptic Catholics, so I'll just speak to what I know. Um, so, a priest in the Coptic Orthodox Church never chooses himself. Um, the people choose him, and the people. He's usually of the people, from the people, nominated by the people to the bishop of the area. So the reason for this, I've never like, the reason for this in my mind, I won't say like if, like a practical reason or something, but the Coptic church comes from Egypt where they make up 10% of the population and the rest are Islamic, right? They're, they're Muslim. And so there's just been decades, hundreds of years of persecution since Islam invaded, uh, or the, the Arabs invaded in like the seventh century. Um, so the Coptic church has always stuck to its own. There hasn't been as much of an emphasis on education throughout its, its history. Um, there definitely is now, especially in the past, the past century. Um, but, but throughout the century, the main, the, throughout the centuries, the main focus is on survival. And so this leads to like looking to your leader as one who's going to take care of you, not someone who's going to educate you, mm-hmm. someone who's your father. And that leads to this person has to have been that from before. They have to have been laying their life down for the people from before for the people to trust them, right? Because lack of trust is huge when you're in a society that wants to kill you, mm-hmm. right? And in a society that puts your religion on your on your like ID, right? Like this is the type of environment that they're in. Um, and so what this led to is something very beautiful is, is the, that the priests are elected from among the people. And so they don't, they're not chosen. And in fact, the one who nominates themselves is, is like sometimes not considered to be as, as like 
we won't, I don't like the word worthy, but I'll say it like for lack of a better term than the one who, who doesn't want the priesthood, who would just rather stay as a, as a, like a humble quote unquote servant. But of course we know the, the greatest of all is the least of all and the servant of all. And that's what the priest truly is in the Coptic church. Um, so after this, usually the people will nominate him and have, and then the whole family has to accept. So the bishop will also talk to the wife. If their kids are of age, like a certain age, they'll also talk to the children. When my dad got ordained, I was two. So the bishop held me in my hand. I, in his hands, I smiled and we moved on. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, so the whole, the whole family, is, particularly the wife, have to agree. Um, and, then, and then after some time, from the people he's he's ordained and then after that he doesn't he doesn't go to seminary he goes to the monastery it's usually the monastery that his bishop is from so our bishop is a metropolitan now he's elevated in 2016 um bishop Srapion is from saint Bishoy monastery in egypt oh gosh i hope i'm not getting that wrong um, <laughs> pretty sure. like 95 percent um so like my father and all the priests like go there right now they're going to the abbey because just like in that which is in uh, Marietta uh for their for their priest training so learning how to perform the sacraments and all those sorts of things but also for like intense like talking with the lord and and um praying it for their for their future and for their service and and all of those sorts of things so yeah that's amazing i uh, part of what was um struck me so much about that is um, and, and your dad and I were talking about this, is that, you know, I, I often start talks with this, but I, I used to be, I'm still very nervous giving talks. I'm still very insecure. Like as you saw, especially in my first talk, it like really took me a while to kind of like get into it. Um, but it used to be even so much more so because I'm like, my my background is in engineering and I don't have any sort of theology training. Like Mother Gabriella was there with me. Like her background's in accounting. She's, you know, <laughs> yeah. um, neither of us, like we don't have degrees from Franciscan or Thomas Aquinas yeah. or mm-hmm. we've never been to seminary, et cetera. And so, um, so when I give talks, I'm like, I don't, I don't have that education and I don't feel like I have um, what people need. I don't have what, like anything to give them. Um, but... But then I came a- across this quote by Evagrius, um, who Mother Gabrielle and I love very much. Mm-hmm. And um, Evagrius is, is one of the ones, many people have, have said this in different ways, but Evagrius is one of the ones who says that um, a theologian is one who truly prays and one who truly prays is a theologian. And to just realize like we can fall into this trap of thinking that um, we need to know a lot about God in order to share God. Um, but then you like then there's the possibility of even being a Pharisee who knows a lot about God without knowing God. And um, so just to realize that what I really need to be sharing with people and really the only thing I should be sharing with people is the fruits of my encounter with the Lord. And so I'm, I was thinking of this with your, with your dad and hearing about how, um, how a priest is elected and how he goes not to seminary, but to, um, on a 40 day retreat in the desert, <laughs> right? Um, like he, he encounters the Lord and, and that's what he's bringing to the people. Like those are the first fruits of his priesthood. Yeah. And 
Um, and that's not to say, of course, that like we should read spiritual reading. You know, we should um, like try to educate ourselves um, through the theologians that that the Lord has yes. gifted us um, and through the church fathers and so on and so forth. But the other thing I was thinking, we, we prayed a lot of the Coptic Orthodox liturgies um, in our time there, you know, the different hours and the liturgy itself and um, so on and so forth. And as we're doing that, I'm like, this is our theology, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And we say that all the time. We say we right. sing our theology, yes. but in your Definitely. liturgies, as we're praying about the patriarchs, as we're... Um, like we're talking about Abraham, Isaac, and Joseph. We're talking about the the different saints and the different, like there's so much obviously theology embedded in that. Like we're constantly praying the Psalms. We're constantly, and it's the same in the, the Eastern Catholic churches and the, um, like that's where a lot of the theological um, formation comes from. And and in hearing in hearing your dad preach, and I don't mean through a sermon, like I know there was no sermon at the liturgy, but Every every prayer that he or or Abuna Bishoy um, prayed at the beginning or end of the talks or whatever it was like the the spontaneous prayers that they prayed yeah. um, they were oozing with with good theology. It's a weird word, anyways. Hmm. Um, but it's so much was like it's clear that these men pray, mm-hmm. and it's clear that these men want to bring God to their people. Um, and like, that's what we need from priests. Yeah. And I think one thing I'll just mention about priests is like, so because they don't like go to seminary, they have jobs in the world first, right? So my, my dad was an engineer and like other priests, you know, whatever, like name the job, they did it. And even our metropolitan, like you can't even join the monastery unless you've attempted real life, right? And had a job and seen that like, because you don't want to be, they don't want you to be running away from something, right? Yeah. You always say, like, there's not a running away, there's a running to. Mm-hmm. So they, you make money, you live in the world, and then you desire monasticism, and then you go into it as is the typical route of the, the Coptic monastics. Um, and priest is the same thing, right? You can't run to the priesthood because of, you know, like, because you're running away from failing in the world, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, um, of course, God works all for all good, right? If that, even if that's the case, but I think the cops in particular have this like diverse skill set because of them working in the world first. That there's a lot of different flavors of priesthood because of their work, right? And there's a lot of different. So, say the priest is a therapist, or a priest is a doctor, or a priest is a engineer, like my father. Like um, they bring so much different views of theology because of those things, those ways they experienced God before the priesthood in their life. And mm. I think that greatly adds to their service and in like their flock seeing them as very, um, I don't, I don't want to say relatable. I don't like that word, but like, um, accessible. Yeah. Accessible, I think, or, or like kind of role models, right? Like they, they, they still did something. It's not like, you know, but they are like, they still gave their life to God when, when they were asked to. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if this is true, but I was just thinking, um, I've been frustrated and probably vented on this before, but a lot of our personalities now that we have access to online, um, our theologians and our, our online personalities, um, 
there there is an inherent competition in you know subscriptions and things like that and and it seems like there can be almost a competition for for listenership for audience mm. um, and I get that because thank God a lot of our online personalities are lay people and they have families they need to support the families and that's that's very important but I don't hear enough and this is something we should probably do more mother but um is recommending other people that are that are kind of mm. have a, a a mission that is not ours but it's similar enough or we trust it enough to say you also should listen to this person or or if this is the topic you know if you have this question actually I'm not the best person to answer yeah. that go to this mm. person we within the companions in Denver that's definitely what we wanted we wanted don't you you, I, you want to get married you come to me to tell you want to get married to my parish so I'm actually going to send you to marriage prep two parishes down. You're still a prisoner here, but you're going to go to marriage prep there because father, whoever, is actually really good at marriage prep, whereas he's going to send his catechumens to me. You yeah. know, things like that. And so you, you have this, you, you understand that skills each other have. So when you have, you're going to have priests that, that came from the world and some of them are going to be deep theologians, very well read in philosophy and theology. And you have this shared role and some, because I, I do think it's important to say, you know, priests... Um, should have the, you know, um, a, a certain training to be able to speak the truth, especially when it comes to modern things like, how do we know that an issue comes up like, like abortion? You know, that's pretty obvious. But like, yes. you, you, we need to be studied in these things, but not every priest does, you mm-hmm. know? And so you can actually, the bishop can take that and say, I have within my diocese these priests that are good at this and, and we all work together without pride, with yes. great humility to find what our specific gifts are from the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit, use those, pass those on. Um, but I'm wondering, and you know, listeners, correct me if I'm wrong here, but- I, How can you even read that? Only because I, I know what it says. I can't read the it, second it one. It literally looks like it's Arabic. So the first one says- <laughs> look, look at this. <laughs> Arabic's way more beautiful than that. <laughs> it really does. <laughs> those, those are actually both Latin. Um, <laughs> So they're not Arabic, but um, so I know that you know. I think it's still the case, although it's it's greatly used that that any book that was, um, like you could prove it's Catholic. It had two things: it had an imprimatur and the nihil obstat, right? And so the imprimatur was from the bishop saying, "I, mm. I put my." I wish I knew what imprimatur was, um, but what it meant, like like, in, in the uh, etymology. But but you you put yourself. The bishop says, like, you can read this. And I give I give my stamp of approval to say this is Catholic. The nihil obstant meant there's nothing wrong with it, and that was given by a theologian. Mm. So you generally had two: the bishop and a theologian, both saying this is something that you can read and and be assured that it contains truth. Now, again, I'm just speaking out of my ignorance here, um, but I think that there's something like that where I can say, as a priest. When you come to me, I'm going to share with you my gifts that the Holy Spirit yeah. has given me. And then I'm going to say, you have some questions I can't answer. And instead of, instead of what I believe, especially some online personalities are, are doing now, they're, they're trying to be all things to all people. That, that's yes, a great no. lack of community. And I to say, agree. I have a good community and I, I, am, I am humble enough, but also confident enough and loving enough in my brother or my sister to send you to them mm-hmm. if that happens. So I, I think that's, that's one of the things about not having every single leader in the church undergo the exact same formation. Yeah. My seminary was great about that. My, my professor literally said, I want you to be away from this campus 
as much as possible my first year. He said, any break you get, go down, love the homeless, love those in jail, love, mm-hmm. love you know, those who are, who are tempted towards abortions. Like, meet all these people on the street because that's the kind of priest you're gonna be mm-hmm. and, and you're not gonna be the academic. You're not gonna be the one teaching in a seminary or preaching very academic colleagues. It's just not gonna happen. He's saying this to you. He's saying this to me, yeah. yeah. So, so he, yeah, no, just to me. So yeah. he saw, actually, shout out mm-hmm. to Father Jack Custer. He saw... Each of the the guys is different. This is going to be your focus. I can tell right now after your seminary. Focus on that. So it wasn't some you know stamp seminary. Like he, you're going to be a priest in this way. So lean into that. And that's a that's a beautiful thing that I don't think we understand enough about formation. And when you come in in the Coptic Church, you come from different backgrounds with things that you liked and you studied on your own. Yeah. The this the the gifts of the Spirit I think become very clear very quickly yes. because these are things that I did on my own. I wasn't following some you know rubber stamp guidelines that somebody else says every leader in the church should be this way. You know, not the case. As long as we're humble and can say each of us have our own gifts, and I will point you to them. Yeah. So imprimatur means let it be printed in Latin. There we go. Okay, but thank you. But that's actually a really good transition into the second thing that I wanted to talk about, um, which has been a very frequent conver- topic of conversation this week. Because So what you just said, Father Michael, first of all, we've talked about this a lot in our community because it's like we can say, like we don't have to all be iconographers in our community. The fact that a couple of us write icons means that our monastery has the gift of iconography. Like we we're very much um, uh, a shared basket of gifts, right? And if one of us has the gift, then we all in a sense have the gift. And, um, but also as I was talking to Abuna Gregory about this, uh, he was sharing that one of, one of the gifts of this way of becoming a priest for him is that he said he doesn't feel um, he doesn't feel like he's earned some sort of authority um, in the church that like is owed to him, right? Like he didn't just like decide to go to seminary, and I know it's not exactly that for us either, right? Like men discern, they go through the application process, all of that. Um, but he's like, I didn't just go study, and so I'm paraphrasing what he said here, but like, so I'll just say it in my words, he didn't just go study and then feel like I have this degree now, I have the expertise, like I am the authority in this. Um, Rather, he was very much asked to do this thing and it gave him, and I think all of the priests, very much this servant mentality. And I saw this servant mentality so much this week Mm -hmm. um, in the retreat from the Abunas, from the servants who were there. So the reason this topic came up originally is because we're constantly talking about like, Natalie keeps using the word servant. Like, oh, she was a servant at our church. Oh, the servant, we're having a servants meeting. And at one point I was like, um, what what does this even mean? Like, why do you keep using this word? So if you could explain, Natalie, this concept of being a servant in the church, and then also just because I realize we've, we've been using this word a lot, if you could explain the meaning of abuna, because we've sure. just been using it kind of um, without really explaining it. Yeah, definitely. Um, the word abuna means our father in Arabic. Um, like, it's a little derivative of abena, abene, which is like how abena lezi would be how we say like our father in, mm. in like when we say like stand up to say our father, like the Lord's Prayer. Um, so yeah, it just means our father. Like if if um, I were to call the mothers there, there, um, 
If I were to call the mothers their name, if I were to call the mothers their like Arabic name, it would be Omena, and that means our mother. Mm. Okay, so like it's Abuna and Omena. Um, Omena, yeah. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's that. So, so we. Christ very frequently talks about the least, the greatest of all is the servant of all. And he who wants to be the greatest must become the least. And he, he himself showed us that when he washed our feet, right? When he washed the disciples' feet and how he continues to wash our feet um, in, in all of his service to us. Um, so the Coptic church has adopted this sort of like verbiage in the people that lead, Okay, so like if you are teaching Sunday school, we never say teach. We say you serve Sunday school. You're a Sunday school servant. Um, if you like, so for me, if I was, since I was leading this retreat, I would say I'm the head servant, right? And so it kind of like, even that verbiage just puts you in the mindset of what you're actually doing, right? Because if I call myself a teacher, A, I'm receiving a stricter judgment and I don't want that. And B, <laughs> sorry, Bible jokes are allowed here, right? Uh, and, and B, um, I am now in a mentality of what I'm doing, right? Is that I am putting myself at the feet of anyone who needs anything from me. Mm-hmm. Whether it's a servant who's quote unquote under me. No, actually I'm under them. I'm the head servant. So I'm actually the one that is serving the most. So I serve the servants too, mm-hmm. right? Like that's my role and that puts me like that makes me realize like, oh, I have actually no authority, right? Like the, my authority is, is completely rooted in my ability to serve the people around me. And if I'm not doing that, then like I shouldn't have any leadership ability. Mm-hmm. And that's also very obvious in the priests, right? Is, and that's all priests, right? Like they're giving themselves, emptying themselves complete to the, to the people like Christ does all the time. And so I think the word servant is beautiful because it's like the higher up you go in the service, quote unquote, like the more required you are to empty yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so that's why that verbiage is, is very prevalent. Um, and even in our prayer, like in our like midnight praises, which the mothers attended and stood for. Thank you guys. Uh, <laughs> I mean, literally we stood for. Yeah, yeah like, it was just really <laughs> long and they really, they really stood for a long time. Um, we always say like, like remember the servants, O Lord, and we always we always just call the people servants, like mm-hmm. very frequently. It's very much in the verbiage, in like the Arabic, like like that came from Arabic, right? It's not because of English. Like they say, Amin al Khidma is like the leader of the servants. Um, al Khidma is like the service. So the verbiage has been has been consistent, um, and it's definitely important in resetting your focus to what your actual role is to the people you are serving, not teaching. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We heard in our gospel um, last night that if, you know, that's the passage, it was kind of cool how the worlds collided. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was the passage. If you want to be the greatest, you must serve the rest. And th- that does show just what you said, Natalie, like, like you become an authority by serving. You know, it's not even as much as, Let's appoint as authorities the greatest servants, but but anybody who is serving automatically kind of earns an authority by the fact yes. that they are servants, um, and that that is just such a, a a concept that is, I'll say at least say unpracticed in the world today. Yeah. I, I hope not in the church, but I'll say in the church too. But like in the world today, we we just do not we do not get that concept. We're not attracted to serving for the sake of 
being the greatest. We do, we don't want to we don't want to be the greatest in the right ways. Definitely. We should be want to be the greatest, as I mentioned last night. We should want to be the greatest in more Christ-like, able to empty myself more completely. Um, the uh, I, I've had some some instances recently. I had a day where I knew it was going to be a busy day because I had I had every single minute blocked off from morning until night and. As I laid down at the end of the day to go to bed and kind of did my examination of conscious, I thought that was a day where I did not give anything. Like everything was drawn out of me. I didn't even have a moment to think to like actively give something. It was just whatever the church wanted, whatever my people wanted, they took. And I obviously let that happen. So, yeah. so, and I, I just, I remember laying down and like right before I fell asleep, I had this big grin on my face. I was yeah. like, what a beautiful day for a priest because I didn't have to overthink anything. I didn't have to doubt, yes. am I saying the right thing? I didn't have to just say, am I, are my energies put in the right place? It was just every free minute somebody called and I just picked up the phone because I had it on me. And, and it was so beautiful um, to say that the, the ministry was drawn out of me. And that really does feel like a servant mentality where, because if I got in the way, if I planned it out, there would be issues. You know, it, it wouldn't be nearly as fruitful. Definitely. I think something that I think we all witnessed as we were preparing for this service is the devil's attacks. And like, I think mother, you were even sharing with me, like, I, and I, and myself, I've experienced this. Like if anyone ever asks something of me, you have this like, little wall that comes up and it's usually from the devil like self-guarding right it's like I don't want to give out this part of myself right now I'm tired or I'm done or mm -hmm. whatever and like I've experienced this before and I know mother experienced this like greatly throughout the retreat and then you do you give it mm. like you turn your brain off and you're just <laughs> like all right Jesus like you have to take over because I'm like tired or I don't even, not even I'm tired. I don't want to, like, mm. I'm just not, I don't want to right now, but I'm, I'm gonna like the kingdom of heaven is taken by force. Right. And then mm. you do. And then the fruit of that is just complete stillness inside of you where you're just so at peace, so happy. So like the Lord just fills your emptiness that you thought you had or that, that you do have and your weakness and your desire to not serve and shows you like, this is the most important thing that you are here for. Yeah. Like, this is why you are on earth, you know, for my kids and don't think anything differently. Mm. And that's something that we forget. And that like, when we have days like this, when I'm on a retreat and I'm literally just moving the entire time, not thinking, just also complete self-emptying. I also go to bed and feel the exact same yeah. way. Um, and uh, like, it's just a sign of why we're here on earth. And in my, like, that's my view of it at least. Mm -hmm. I've often thought uh, uh, the sign of a, of a spiritual life well-lived or the goal of the spiritual life should be that when I am running on instinct, I'm a good man. Mm -hmm. Like, in other words, if mm -hmm. I don't have to think about it, like if, if people are just drawing things out of me or I'm, I, I'm having to react too quickly that I can't think, that I have formed myself by the power of God and, and through Christ's grace, I have formed myself to say when I'm at my bare minimum, when I'm exhausted and, and hungry and all these other things, at that time I am responding gently and but with virtue, with courage, with self-gift, like when I don't even have to think about it. And that's not natural. That comes through a life of, of receiving Christ's gift of holiness. But that, that's kind of a good definition is, is when I am tired and hungry and frustrated or am I, when I'm tired and hungry, am I frustrated? Mm -hmm. You know, when mm -hmm. I'm tired and hungry and, and just exhausted in every way, does somebody meet me and say like, that was an earthen vessel for the light of Christ, you know, that, yeah. and that's, 
that's the goal is, is what we actually honed ourselves through Christ's power and being receptive to his honing to, to not have to act in any way to perform something. It's just, it's us, we're an instrument and, and Christ is working. Do you have anything you want to add to that, Mother Gabriela? I think just in receiving from, like receiving the service this weekend, I mean, also being part of the giving, but like I was just so struck by the humility, both of the servants, but of the abunas and like how, how much that inspired me <laughs> to um, to give myself. Like there was plenty of like lack of sleep, <laughs> like <laughs> food, like food happening whenever. Like just like <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> like like. It, but it was just like that's not even what it was about. And like like the Lord provided when it was when it was truly needed, not when I think it's needed. And that's that's what's more important in all of my life, right? But it was like it was truly an act of receiving whatever the Lord gives. Um, and hum, like humbly receiving it. And, and just, I was just so inspired, like how much joy they all had in their gift of service. Mm-hmm. Um, how much, um, yeah, how much that being drawn out of self, um, they just did so, so willingly. And as this, and as this absolute channel, um, but not, not channel, actually out of reservoir, right? Because they each, they each were, were so filled, like, like, Abuna Gregory is like, and Abuna Bushoy, like they are just this reservoir of God's love, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. they are, um, that is just spilling over. Um, yeah. And they understand who they are before God and and they have a great, gen- they've received a great gentleness from him and they give a great gentleness. And so all, all of that was just such an image to me of the father and um, and of what humble service really looks like and just an inspiration. So that's, that's just, as you've been saying all that, that's just what's been going through my mind is like that humility was just so inspiring. Yeah. And, and not just to the girls, right? Like the, the abunas were there to serve everyone and, and the servants were the same, but there was like this particular, um, it was like if Abuna, or Gre- Abuna Gregory or Abuna Bishoy saw me, like I was not allowed to get my own chair. I was not allowed to get my food. I was not, you know, it's constantly like, what do you need? Let me get this for you. Let me, you know, mm. like, no, 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 sit here. I will get, you know, and it's just like, there was a, just a great gift of self there. But it's also, it was, it was an incredible experience because, um, you know, last Sunday when we first got here, Father Michael preached a homily um, to the kids. I don't even know if this was you. I might be making this up um, <laughs> about the multiplication of the loaves and the. Um, were you? Do you remember preaching it was, on that? I give nothing. Yes. Uh, yeah. 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 Okay. Great. Great. Abuna Michael was. Um, <laughs> as long as this is, you're saying something positive, that was, <laughs> not, um, it is. Um, he gave this homily about how. Um, the first answer that the disciples give when mm. Jesus says, what do you have is nothing. Yeah. They first say nothing. And then they say, we have, I don't remember which gospel it was, like which yeah. five yeah. loaves and two fish. First one. Um, and so it's like, they say they have nothing, but actually they have this very little. And it's this movement from um, like, once we at least give Christ the very little that we have, um, that's the, that's the statement of he, he can't be outdone in generosity. Like we give him the littlest amount and he multiplies it. And I very much felt that this weekend because um, this week, it wasn't a weekend. Um, like I saw the Abunas giving this, but then I experienced it 
myself, um, like, praise God, it was a rare moment in which I was actually receptive to his grace and, and said yes. And so, um, you know, like some of the servants were just coming up to me and being like, um, are you okay? What do you need? Like the girls have been taking up every second of the free time. And like, anytime you're alone, someone comes up to you and wants to talk and like, how are you doing? You know? And, and it's just like, it was so easy to give of myself to the girls. Um, because they were so clearly thirsting for Christ. And, um, and in the moments when I wasn't with anyone, um, and I was like just sitting quietly, I was very tired. And I was like, man, like I'm done. I can't do anymore. And then someone comes up to me and they're like, can we talk? And instantly, um, like, I say, I say yes, and instantly I have the grace to do it, you know? And it's, it's not just like, um, yes, I can plow through this. I can ignore my tiredness. It's like for that moment in that conversation, it's gone. And, mm-hmm. and I'm just able to be totally present to this girl. Yes. Um, and, and I think it's because like, it's true that there's, n- there's no more of me that I can give. <laughs> like there's no more of me, mm-hmm. um, but Christ is infinite and they're not coming to me for me. They're coming to me because they need Christ. And I can't give any more of me, but I can give him because <laughs> there's always more of him. Um, and so, yeah, to just like experience that. It was like, I'm in the midst of servants and I was able to have this experience of being a servant. And I think just as you were saying, my vulnerability really pulled out the vulnerability for these girls. Um, I think all of you in um, your, your great act of being servants, you like brought out this, this service within me and, and this desire to serve. And so that was, that was a great gift. So. Amen. Thank God. Um, amen. Thank God. What do you have, Mother Gabriel? <laughs> Praise the Lord. I knew you were going to say that. Uh, <laughs> all right. So, Channel Sandy Barba. Um, I can never remember. Do we do, I just sounded like Natalie. Um, do we do... <laughs> Don't know what I sound like. Do we do the things that you just said that we shouldn't do first, like about the subscriptions and stuff, or do we do prayer requests first? We usually do. I think we do prayer requests first, but that's just totally by just that's how it works. So it doesn't matter. I don't like that because that's weird. Because then we're like, please pray for these as, things as your spiritual and father. Make sure you I think subscribe. it's important that you. Um, be able to go with the flow and switch okay. things up a bit. So um, we are, so you can follow the things, you can like the things, you can comment <laughs> on the things, only if it's nice comments. Um, please, I'm just kidding. You can leave mean comments, but actually please don't. And um, YouTube, audio only, Goodreads. Twitter at Padre Michael O. That's just Father Michael's, not the podcast. Instagram, what God is not. Um, website whatgodisnot.com website for our nonprofit fotina.org p-h-o-tina.org um, I'm cool no cap um, and Patreon um, Patreon <laughs> you can find us on Patreon and thank you to our Patreon um, thank you to our Patreon benefactors um, and our email address whatgodisnotpodcast at gmail.com um, particularly if you rate and review or whatever those things are on Apple Podcasts, then more people hear about the podcast. And that's nice, I think. Um, 
prayer requests. So how did I not think of this this whole time? Okay, um, prayer requests, prayer requests. Please pray for, I know um, two women right now who are pregnant who um, haven't really told people yet um, and please pray for them. Mm, that's all I got. All right. Um, I just, because of the conversation, I think it's really important that we pray for our bishops because like, especially in that mindset and it, it in a sense works out in, in my experience, I was a vocation director as well. Um, the bishop's responsibility is so big in, in facilitating and choosing the men to serve as priests. Um, they can get it very wrong and they can get it very right. And, and, um, so just pray for our bishops, all the bishops, um, to have wisdom um, in, in how they identify and listen to our Lord and his guidance. And also uh, just please pray for uh, clergy wives, priest wives, um, because they are undertaking, I think, a, a servant role that's very unique, but maybe even more of a servant role. Um, you rarely get the thanks or the, the, the positive attention um, and you... You are there to to be a a priest wife for the church, and I think that's every every vocation of a priest wife in my experience has been very different, and there's a lot of discernment even within that role in the parish in the wider church, etc. So I, I think praying for our our bishops and our priest wives um, that they have the strength, the discernment, the wisdom um, that are so helpful for for the church in general. Um, Father Michael had a couple prayer requests. So following that vein, um, <laughs> one would be for the, the girls who were in the, especially the girls who were on the Coptic retreat that we were just, just talking about um, for the fruits that are being born in their hearts, um, for the reunification, um, just to pray for a continual healing between churches. And then uh, last would be Mother Natalia's retreat, which is coming up. Woo -woo. I think I'm on retreat when this comes out. Yes, I think it's like she, starting that day. Or she day needs before. all the prayers. That's how behind we are on our podcast. It's <laughs> only like two weeks away. No, <laughs> I'm so sorry, Beth. I'm so sorry, Olivia. I'm so sorry, Valeria. I'm so sorry, Sarah. I'm so sorry, Steve. <laughs> Amen. You have any prayer requests, Natalie? Yes. Um, Father Michael prayed for the bishops and wives. I will pray for the priests. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, of course, my dad in particular. Um, but all of the priests who have come from, especially Egypt, have a mind of, they're, they're coming to America and have a completely different role in the church now, a role of, mm. of um, dealing with all the lies of Western culture and figuring, like it's a different type of martyrdom that we're now dealing with. It's not physical, but it's intellectual. And there are sifting through that. And my father in particular is, is, is doing a really good job and, and I just want to pray for all of them that they continue doing that work and helping all of their um, helping all of their flock come to know Christ in a way that maybe didn't really happen when we were in a time of persecution. So mm -hmm. for them to continue that. And all the catechumens in our church as well. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And also all the priests' kids. Mm -hmm. so you want to pray for yourself. Because like along with the priests, the bishops, the wives, of course, priest <laughs> kids are uh, are, have a, a very interesting role in the world of the church as well. So, and the Thank whole you. world. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thanks, guys. This was, it's just, yeah, it's really good to be in person with all of you, and I love you guys a lot. So, thank love you. Love you guys. Love you. Um, you guys too.
Father, can you give us a blessing? May the Lord bless you all and keep you, cause his face to shine upon you, have mercy on you. May you be directed by our Lord to be true servants. May you desire um, true diaconia, true servant, true carrying of your cross and the self-gift that goes along with that. May you understand every day how that is love and how the cross is the witness to that. May our Lord give you strength to serve, wisdom to serve, knowledge to serve. May he soften your hearts to understand his will and strengthen them to carry it out. May our Lord give you a true desire for the greatness that is lived out and worked out through servanthood. Um, May you pray for priests and leaders in the church. May you pray for unity among the churches. May our Lord give you everything you need to build up your part of the body of Christ and to use the gifts the Holy Spirit has given you. May the Lord bless you and give you everything you need even to bodily salvation. May the Lord bless you in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Amen.